Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy, Kevin Luco. And this week, Kevin and I are honored to welcome back a favorite guest of ours that we haven't had on the show for a little while here. So, St. Paul Saints uh, Vice President of Media Relations, Sean Aronson. Sean, thanks for joining us this week. Rob, as, uh, as always, it is a pleasure to join you and uh, Kevin, and uh, always excited to talk uh, baseball and then kind of go off the rails and then see what we can get into. Yeah, you know, we have to have you on, Sean, because some others are kind of approaching your record for the most appearances on the show. So we've got to make sure that you always keep your lead. <laughs> uh, well, I, I appreciate that. I, I'd like to keep some records out there. Uh, <laughs> I know. I, look, you guys, uh, you guys do a phenomenal job. I've always told you that. And, uh, you know, the guests that you have on and the broadcasters you have on and the players and the managers and coaches, uh, you guys continue to do an absolutely incredible job. I was telling Rob earlier, you are to us what the San Diego Zookeeper was to the Johnny Carson show. <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? When uh, when nobody else is available, I, I, I'm the guy to, to fill time at the end? Is, is that what we're saying? Oh, uh, you're just, you're no, just, you're a, just a legend. Uh, yeah, okay. we need a That's big splash. When we need a big splash, yeah. you're the guy there. So, you know, that's uh, <laughs> the way that works out. You know, before oh, kind of talking about St. Paul, talking about the St. Paul Saints with you there, Sean, for a little bit, you, you know, I don't know if you got to see out there, but on MILB.com, they had a big story about Miles Wolf and how Mike Beck was kind of connected with that in, in, in the story right here. I don't, I don't know if you got a chance to that. I know you have not always seen eye to eye with Miles Wolf in time of running the American Association, but, but I know you've always had the greatest respect for him and the part that he's brought to independent baseball, partner league baseball, and minor league baseball. Yeah, look, I mean, the guy is, I mean, we were talking about the, the word legend. Uh, the, the word legend can be thrown around with Miles Wolf. What, what he has done for the world of baseball, what he has done for independent baseball, uh, I mean, he, he has no rival. Um, I mean, he had uh, the foresight to understand that, uh, Major League Baseball and affiliated Minor League Baseball wasn't, you know, wasn't everything. That there there was enough baseball to go around in various markets, and that really got the start for you know what you see today with uh, multiple independent leagues across the country uh, to the point now where you know Major League Baseball has partnered with uh, with these leagues um, to make them partner leagues, and uh, you know it. it it can pretty much be attributed to, to what Miles Wolf did and the vision that he had. So, um, yeah, I have the utmost respect for him. I've had the opportunity to meet him on a handful of times. I think if I had him on the broadcast a, a couple of times, um, you know me, I don't see eye to eye with, with anybody. Um, I always think I'm right. I always think that my, my ideas are the best and I, uh, anyone that disagrees with me, you know, I, uh, I don't see eye to eye with, but, uh, um, but, but in all seriousness, Miles is, was, so far ahead of the curve that uh, you know it, it's it's great to see him get recognized and honored w whenever he does. And, and I, to be honest, I don't think he gets recognized and honored enough for what he's done. Well, now I know why we get along so well is because I always agree with you. So okay, so now, now I get it. Now, so. <laughs> right on. Uh, great, great season for the same fall Saints just last year uh, for us, Sean. Finished second both halves of the season. Talk to us a little bit about the season itself. But what does it mean to finish in second 
in in the International League for both halves? Uh, it means that uh, the college football playoff committee were the same ones that were running the International League playoffs, apparently. Uh, we finished with the best overall record uh, in in our division, in the, in the West Division, but for the first time in the 100-plus years of the International League, they went to halves, which they've never done before. It's a, it's a, uh, a double-A thing. It's a single-A thing. It's a rookie ball thing. Uh, but it has never, ever been a triple-A uh, deal up until this year. Now, if, if they had stuck to the way they did it for the previous 100-plus years, uh, we would have been in the playoffs. But they changed it. And, and I saw this coming – I've joking before about you know me uh, disagreeing with people and always being right and all that, but but to be very honest, I saw this coming from a, a million miles away. I saw all the problems that potentially could occur, and I, I talked about this at the beginning of the season that you could wind up with one of the best records in the league and not make the playoffs, and that's exactly what happened uh, with the Saints. Finished in second place in both halves in our division, and, and, and let's be honest, the divisions meant nothing but they never got rid of the divisions, right? If you look at the standings, the divisions are still there. That was their first problem. Had they just eliminated the divisions on the standings page, all right, well, you wouldn't have felt so bad, but they kept the divisions. So what wound up happening is uh, Iowa won the first half uh, by a half game. And, uh, uh, you know, and it, I mean, had they left it the way it was, the first half would have been an incredible finish. It was uh, – Iowa, uh, us, and Louisville, and it came down to the final week of the season. It was incredibly exciting. And Iowa only won the first half because on the last game of the season, uh, of the first half, uh, I think the, the Saints carried a lead after four innings in Toledo, and then, or after five innings, and then in the sixth inning, uh, Toledo scored, uh, like, I don't know, eight runs or whatever, and, and we lost something like eight to six because the rains came down and we never, we didn't finish the game. The game got halted after six innings. Um, but that's what, that was the, the half game right there. But, uh, you know, it was, it was what it was and finished in, in second place in the second half, but the best overall record. Uh, but the way that the, the International League did it this year, it was the totality of the league and the team that finished with the best overall record in, in the first half. So even though Iowa won our division, they didn't make the playoffs either. Uh, it was the team with the best overall record in the first half and the team with the best overall record in the second half. So, uh, again, divisions didn't mean anything, and both playoff teams came from uh, the quote-unquote East division. But uh, overall, it was an incredible season, 20 games over 500, uh, easily one of the, the best teams, obviously, by record in the league, uh, you know, uh, third or fourth in the league in ERA, uh, eighth in, in batting average. Uh, I think we were top five in home runs. Uh, tied the modern-day minor league baseball record for most grand slams in a season with 14. Um, so it, it, by every measure, it was an incredible season on the field, uh, and, and it was a absolute joy to watch this team play. I thought you had a really good mix this year of up-and-coming up and coming players, a lot of which mm -hmm. contributed to the Major League Club. But then you also had that core of guys that they were around the entire year and they were contributors. And I 
Do you feel like that they achieved the right mix there in order to have a winning club? Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Kevin. I mean, it's look, I think that's the goal for every AAA team uh, is to have some good veteran presence that's going to stay around, you know, for uh, most of, if not the entire season, and then young guys that are prospects that are going to filter their way through. And you know those young prospects, if they play well enough, are going to make it to the major leagues. And on top of that, you need to have your major league club not have 7,000 injuries. Now, again, every major league club is going to have injuries. Every major league club is going to pillage their AAA club. But if you can limit the damage on that, um, you know, it, it's going to be beneficial. And, and for the first time in three years, that really was the case. The, the Twins again, did have injuries, but they weren't so hampered with injuries that, you know, they took everybody from, uh, you know, from us. And, and, and the other side of this, too, was the, the ultimate prize uh, for making the playoffs uh, was a, a three-game series against, you know, the first and second half winners. And if you won that, you went to Vegas uh, for a one-game, you know, national championship game. And all season long, our guys, that was their mantra. They wanted to get to Vegas. They cared about that. They, I mean, it, you don't often see that with, with uh, you know, AAA teams because, you know, they're, they're, those guys are concerned about getting to the big leagues and all that. But the veteran guys, that was sort of their, their, their rallying cries. We want to get to Vegas. And it, uh, it was infectious for the younger guys. They wanted to get to Vegas. And so every time they went out, they were playing for that. Uh, again, they finished short. But uh, I think that helped as well is they went out and played for something night in and night out. And, and you know, at AAA, it, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, certain pitchers got to throw a certain amount of innings or, you know, certain hitters have to get there at bats. But uh, the veteran leadership on that team made sure everybody knew exactly what that team was playing for, and that, that's what made it fun. They, they never wavered on that. Were you offering betting, betting advice to the guys if they <laughs> did make it to Vegas as a way of motivating them? Uh, I, I believe I, along with everybody else on that team, would get into some serious trouble if that was the case. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, what I was trying to fight for was a, uh, a charter flight uh, from, you know, what would have been uh, – what would have been Norfolk, who won the first half uh, and hosted all three games, I was fighting for a, a charter flight uh, if we had gotten in to fly from Norfolk to Vegas. Um, I actually even talked to uh, what effectively is the, the league president and said, so, you know, is this part of the deal? And they were like, no, we, we have a, a deal with the airlines where we can buy you know, a bunch of tickets for a bunch of different teams and then cancel a bunch of them, um, you know, and that's that's how they did that. So that was sort of disappointing because, you know, myself, and I, I love Vegas, I've been to Vegas, and to call the national championship game would have been great, but my one dream is to hop on a charter flight one of these days and, uh, you know, see what that world is like. You know, Sean, you get to watch a lot of guys move up and down between AAA and, and reaching the major leagues. And I know when you were in independent baseball, independent baseball, that when a guy made it to the major leagues, that was like a super huge deal because, it, you know, it's a guy coming out of nowhere, so to speak, to live out his lifelong dream. 
do, do you sort of lose a little bit of the luster that when you get to watch a guy easily move up? Because you're right there on the verge of AAA, you know, from a guy making major league. Does, does it have not as much cachet, I guess, is the word for you, after a little while? Yeah. I think it depends on the guy, right? I mean, I'll give you an example, and this is not to discredit, because it is, these guys will say it is hard to get to the major leagues. I don't care who you are. I don't care when you were drafted. Uh, I don't care how much an organization pays you. It is hard to get to the major leagues. The amount of guys that don't make it to the major leagues far outweighs the guys that make it to the major leagues. And you can, I don't know, take whatever, top five rounds uh, from every year, and the amount of guys that never make it to the major leagues is astronomical. So it is still hard. but you know, if you take, for an example, first-round draft pick, you know, player X, um, you know, you feel pretty good that that guy is eventually going to make the major leagues and it's sort of expected he's going to make the major leagues. And again, the first time he does, you're happy for that guy. You really are. But there are still some amazing stories of guys that either make it before a lot of people think they will um, i.e. Cody Funderburk this year, and, and he and I talked about it a number of times. He wasn't even on the 40-man roster, um, and he's like, yeah, this, this is not my year, um, you know, because I'm not on the 40-man, and, and um, you know, they've sort of told me as much that, uh, you know, this, it's not going to happen this year, and then it did, and you're excited for it. I was actually at his first major league game, um, and it was, I, I couldn't have been more thrilled to watch him on the mound, and he was, he was stellar. I think he threw... Uh, two innings that night or an inning and two-thirds of, of shutout baseball. Um, but it's the guys that you, you don't expect or the, um, you know, the lower round draft picks, the guys in the double digits, uh, you know, draft picks that um, or aren't on a lot of guys' radars that, you know, finally get that opportunity. Um, you know, they, they, you know they, they scratch and claw and they, they get that chance. Those guys you're more happy for, you're happier uh, for, more happy, not really a word, happier. Um, you're, you're happier for those guys uh, because you know that they didn't get the five, six, seven million dollar signing bonus. They didn't get every single opportunity that a, a first or a second round draft pick gets. So, um, so look, it, it's, it's a lot harder from affiliated ball or I'm sorry, from independent baseball to get to the major leagues. And when those stories happen, they're extra special, but it doesn't take away from the guys at AAA that reach the major leagues um, because everybody's story is different. Um, you're happy for the first and second round guys that get their first opportunity, but there's something extra special about the guys that you don't see or the guys that have been playing seven, eight, nine years in the minor leagues and then finally get that, that one opportunity. To make, piggyback on what Rob brought up, there was a moment last year, it was, uh, I believe, the final homestand of the season, and it's after the game, Saints had won, and in the press box, a Twins game was on, yeah. and you, Andy Helwig, and other folks were huddled around the TV, and it was the night the Twins clinched a playoff spot. What did that mean to you? To watch that on TV, guys that you have broadcast, the guys that you've gotten to know, what does it mean to you to be able to watch it and watch them celebrating on the field like that? Yeah, extremely happy for those guys. Uh, you know, look, I've been on, on on this great show a number of times. Everybody out there knows I'm from Los Angeles. I'm a huge Dodger fan. Um, you know, I, I bleed, uh, as they say, Dodger blue. But I root for individuals. The longer you're in this business, 
um, the more you root for individuals. And there are a number of good guys that played for us that, that you know, were playing for the Twins, that were a part of that moment. And you're happy for them. You're happy for uh, folks in the organization that you know. Um, you're happy for your, you know, broadcasting brethren. Um, you're happy for, uh, you know, all the, the people that make up the organization because you know how much work went into, you know, draft picks or free agent signings or trades or whatever it is. Uh, and, and playoff berths aren't just, uh, you know, guaranteed for organizations. And, and so you're happy. Uh, and not only that, you're happy for twin fans in general because, uh, you know how much pain they've gone through. I mean, it's well-documented, the number of consecutive losses that they had had. Um, and for that opportunity to end that streak, which, which you know, they did, not only ended the streak, but, you know, won a playoff round. And, and to see the electricity uh, at Target Field when they, they won a game. I wasn't there, but, you know, watched it. Um, you know, and you feel good because as a fan, you know what that feeling is like. You know how excited you are when your team, you know, wins a game or wins a round or, you know, uh, you know, if, you know, it ever happens, wins a championship. So, um, you know, you're happy for, for so many people. Um, and that's why, like, I, again, I, I don't make any bones about the team that I root for, but you're happy for an organization and, uh, you know, the people that make up that organization and those players that work so hard. So if we ever see a rematch of the 1965 World Series of Minnesota-Los Angeles, what are you going to do? Uh, lead Dodger Blue. Uh, you know, I, I, I wish the Twins organization luck, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't work for the Twins. I work for the Saints. Um, you know, and, and that's, you know, it's a different story if I'm a broadcaster for the Twins. Um, but, you know, I, I grew up and I uh, have a strong allegiance towards the Dodgers and, and will always be a, a Dodger fan. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, you know, I, it wouldn't be a, a second thought for me. I, I would have no uh, – there would be no two sides of my brain arguing with each other. Um, yeah, I, I know exactly who I'd be cheering for. You know, going back to some of those kind of fun stories for you this last season, you talked about Cody Funderburk, excuse me, um, and what an amazing story. Comes out of Wichita and, and really just caught fire with the Saints and winds up pitching extremely well for Minnesota as well. But who were some other guys that really, as you watched them progress this season, you thought, wow, that's just an amazing story? Um, Jair Camargo was one for me because, uh, again, he didn't reach the major leagues, but he just got added to the 40 man roster. Um, he was awful. And I mean, awful for the first month of the season. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, like in catchers, you never expect that they're, they're going to destroy the baseball that, you know, if, if they're good defensively and they call a good game, whatever, um, but he wasn't very good defensively either. And, and I, I told him as much as, as the season went along. I was like, man, the, the, the strides that you have made behind the plate in terms of throwing out base runners is absolutely incredible. Um, and it was something that he worked on. But after that first month of the season, he may have been uh, the second or third best hitter on the team. 
um, absolutely just mashing baseballs. And he had a very respectable overall 250 season. And that was hitting after hitting like a buck 10. Uh, I think maybe it was like a buck 19 through the first month of the year. Um, but, but he was just absolutely fun to watch. The other guy uh, that I never thought was going to get called up except maybe towards the end where you're like, all right, you could see him getting called up because he could be an asset for the Twins uh, during the playoffs was Andrew Stevenson. And the reason why I said I didn't see him getting called up because, you know, he's one of those guys that's been around for, you know, eight, nine years. He, he had played, you know, I think he's got 300-plus games in the major leagues, but he far and away was the best hitter on our team um, and, and may have been one of the best hitters in the entire league. Uh, but again, he was an outfielder, and, and the Twins had a bunch of those. And um, but as you got closer to that point of the Twins clinching, his speed became an absolute asset. Though you knew at some point uh, he was going to get that opportunity, and, and he did. And when uh, when he got, and he's a genuinely just super nice guy, which make those guys are very easy to root for. Um, when he got called up. Uh, I, I couldn't have been happier for him. Um, and he also started off slow. I think he was hitting, I don't know, 240 or whatever it was uh, through the first six weeks of the season. And we went to Rochester where he had played uh, previously because he played for the Nationals organization and was at, at Rochester. And their broadcaster said to me, when he gets hot, he'll be the best hitter on your team. And he got hot and never stopped. Um, and he hit three, whatever it was, 317 this year. Uh, had 16 home runs, uh, swiped 40 bags. Uh, he was just, he was a joy and was great in the outfield. He was, he was so much fun to, to watch. Um, and, and so you, you get guys like that that, that uh, just are, are enjoyable to, um, you know, to, to watch and, and see how the season goes for them. Do you ever find yourself putting on your American Association scout cap and you're watching a player and you're thinking, okay, he's not doing well here. <laughs> but I think for the American Association team, this guy could find something. Uh, not until guys get released. Uh, I, I try to never look at the lens of this guy struggling. He'd be better off, you know, in, you know, in the American Association or whatever. I never look at guys that way. I, didn't, I never looked at guys like that in, in, uh, in the American Association, you know, this guy's not good. He'd be better off doing something else. You know, I, I never look at the failure side of things. Um, I, I will say, though, and, and, again, I still have an amazing relationship with George. Uh, George reached out when um, uh, Major League Baseball put out all the guys that were, quote, unquote, free agents uh, at the start of the season. And he just had me go through and, and look at all the guys that the, the twins had, had released or were free agents um, and give my thoughts on them. Um, and, and I'll do that during the season as well for him. Like if, if the twins release a guy, you know, that played for us, I'll be like, hey, you, you're going to want to reach out to him and, and try to call him. Um, you know, you guys know how it is. Just because you reach out to a guy doesn't mean that they get back to you or um, doesn't mean they want to continue playing or, you know, uh, doesn't mean that they don't feel like they're going to get signed by another organization, you know, any minute now. But, uh, but, but I, I still, you know, will give George my input and, um, 
you know, whether that goes anywhere or not is, is an entirely different story, but, um, but I'll let them know what I, what I think of certain guys. I saw one example was a guy like a Curtis Terry that mm-hmm. was on the 2022 club and he had always had really good power numbers, but he just never really got it going for St. Paul. He resurfaces in the Lake Country, and all of a sudden he's hitting twenty plus homers for the Dockhounds. Yeah, it's interesting for for a guy like that because when he got released last year, you know, I, I told George to reach out to him, and I, I think he did. And I, I I don't remember if Curtis didn't get back to him or just said, "Hey, I'm not." I'm not ready to play right now. And, and basically when he got released last year, he didn't play again. Like he was done. And then all of a sudden in 2023, he decides to resurface and, um, you know, and he, he's, you know, playing in the American association. Um, you know, it's interesting to see what guys decide to do. Uh, another guy. And again, I, I was shocked that this guy was not signed by an organization. And I think he will, but Mark Contreras, um, who played for us, you know, this year, he's, you know, he's got the, triple uh, a record for most home runs as a saints player. Um, you know, he's played with us for, for the last you know, two and a half years. And, uh, when the twins released him this year, uh, I told George, call him immediately. Uh, and I, if I'm almost positive, he did connect with, with Mark and Mark basically said, you know, I'm going to see if I wind up getting signed and he never did, which again, still floors me. I, I mean, he's, a left-handed bat that can run, that plays incredible defense. He's got a ton of power. Um, he was having a very good year uh, batting average-wise this year. It looked like he had figured that out. He was hitting 270. Um, he just, you know, guys say this all the time, I got caught in a numbers game. He literally got caught in a numbers game when they, uh, the Twins called up uh, three of their top 20 prospects uh, all at once. Um, and Mark was just, you know, uh, got the short end of the stick at that point. But uh, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see where he pops up, uh, you know, coming into, you know, 2024. I, I'd be shocked if a team didn't sign him. But, again, Mark had the opportunity, if he wanted to, to continue playing for an uh, in, independent club and, and elected not to. And it's always amazing to see guys and their thought process of not doing that. And, and you wonder why guys elect to not do that. Um, and everybody's got their own reasoning. and. Um, you know, I, I don't know what Mark's reasoning was and, and, uh, you know, I don't know if he's got an agent that, that told him not to, I, I don't know if Mark just felt like, you know, I'm not in a mental headspace to, to continue right now. I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, you always think if guys, you know, play baseball and this is their career and they want to continue after this year that, that, you know, you'd want to play. Um, but also some guys, and I think, I think major league baseball needs to do a better job of this. I think guys that get released need to be better educated on independent baseball um, because I think a lot of guys still don't know about independent ball or there may be a stigma out there or whatever it is. I think if you are a true partner league, right, like Major League Baseball has come in and said, hey, all of these organizations or all of these leagues are partner leagues, they need to do a better job of, educating their guys once they get released about how they can continue uh, their careers and, and explain to them what independent baseball is. You know, here's, here's your opportunity. Um, you know, here's why it, it helps to continue, uh, you know, all this stuff. So it, it's, it, it's, 
that's what a true partner league should do, in, in my opinion, and I don't believe Major League Baseball is doing that. So for those that are listening in other American Association markets, I, I have seen Contreras play, and I would describe him as a left-handed version of Jimmy Kerrigan with an even bigger upside. So just imagine what kind of numbers Contreras could have put up in the American Association after what we saw Kerrigan do in 2022. Yeah, I, it's a fair comparison. And it's, I mean, uh, Mark and, and Jimmy played on the same team with the Saints back in, um, you know, and, and both those guys could, could mash the baseball. And, and I think Contreras would go in there and he'd be uh, an MVP candidate right off the bat. But, again, I, I really expect him to, 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 get, to get signed. If he doesn't, I'd be very shocked. You know, Sean, if you don't mind me asking here, talking a little earlier about some of the guys as you're watching them and, and they struggle at first and, and then really start to catch fire, you're mentioning you, you, you go to one player and say, wow, you, you know, looking at where you're at right now in, in comparison to early on, I, I'm really impressed. And knowing, for those who are a little new to you, knowing your your ability to be incredibly candid at times, <laughs> I'm kind of curious how you approach a player and go, Man, you were having struggles early on. I mean, how do you how do you say that, but also want to pep him up and tell him how well you think he's doing right now? Yeah, look, it's it's my job to to talk to these players and and tell their story. And if you're hitting, look, I don't say, hey, you suck, right? And and you weren't good, um, but you you just repeat the facts to him, like you were hitting, you know, one twenty through the first month of the season, and over your last, you know. Uh, 20 games, you're in 340. You know what? What's changed for you? Or you know the power numbers weren't there. Um, you know, and and now it seems like you're hitting a home run every other day. Uh, you, as long as you present the facts to them, that's how you do it, and then they can answer the question. Yeah, you know, whatever it is, you know, they're going to say I just wasn't seeing the ball well, or I was scuffling, or I was out of sorts with my swing, or you know, it was April and. You know, I'm a terrible player when it's, you know, 30 degrees out or whatever it is. Um, but as long as you present the facts, um, you know, I, 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 I try to be honest with these guys. And most of these guys are honest with themselves, right? Nobody ever wants to hear that they're not playing well. Um, but if you present the facts to them, uh, you know, it's hard to refute the facts. And they could say, they could say anything, you know, I, but – it's my job to sort of take what they say and then turn around and, um, you know, tell that story on the air, you know, you know, player X just, you know, for the first month of the season just wasn't seeing the ball well or, or his swings was out of sorts, but he was, he worked with our hitting coach and, uh, you know, he was able to bring his, his hands down or, um, you know, he got, uh, you know, his foot down quicker, uh, and, and that's, you know, what's changed for him. And so that's, you know, that's all you can do is tell that story. Um, but, you know, and if you have a good enough relationship with a guy, you know, you can, you might be able to joke around a little bit with them or, or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I, I never go up to a guy and, 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 and like, boy, you, you suck and, and, and now you're good. Um, and I don't even say that on the, on the broadcast. I, you know, you, your job as a broadcaster is not to crucify guys. Um, it's, just to present the facts 
And if a guy is struggling, you've got to say a guy is struggling. As, as a broadcaster, you have what's called credibility. And the second that you try to pull the wool over the listener's or the viewer's eyes, you lose the credibility. Um, but again, I don't think that we're out there to trash guys either. Um, you know, it, it, that's not to say that I don't do that, you know, away from the, the mic when I'm just talking to my broadcast partner or whatever, because I'm a fan too, and I want to see our team win. And, um, you know, away from the, the, the microphone, I'm a fan. I Like, I want us, whatever team I'm broadcasting for, I want us to win. And if we don't, I'm, you know, I'm frustrated because, you know, everybody wants to win. But I would never do that uh, on the air or, or to a guy either. I just, I think that's, that's not my place and that's, that's not what your role is as a broadcaster. Staying on that subject, Sean, um, again, your, your reputation for broadcasting is, is untouchable. I mean, you, you've done an amazing job with the St. Paul Saints and organizations before that. But I think some people don't know is that the, the Sean Aronson broadcasting tree continually stretches uh, J.W. Cox, just up the road from me here at UNI now. Um, who, your, your last couple of interns that you've had, where are they at? What's, what's the tree looking like right now for you? <laughs> uh, it's, it's one where uh, I am fighting tooth and nail to get uh, my most recent uh, broadcast assistant, uh, Kevin mentioned him earlier, Andy Helwig, uh, you know, a, a gig somewhere. He, he, he deserves it. He's earned it. Um, he's been a finalist, uh, uh, I think, each of the last two years for, for more than one job um, and, and just hasn't been able to get over the hump. So he's going to be the next guy that, uh, uh, you know, I, I try to land uh, or help land a job. I, he's good enough to, to land his own job. It's, it's just a matter of uh, having something open and, and getting something. Um, so yeah, it's it that that's that's always the goal. Um, you know, I, I I work well with Andy. I think we've grown together over the last uh, you know three years. Um, and uh, you know, he's one of those guys that if uh, you know he can't land a, a position in 2024, which again I fully expect he will, and and, and hope that he does. That uh, there's a seat uh, in the broadcast booth you know, with me and, uh, and Steve Lindsmeyer, who, who's, you know, been with me for uh, the last couple of years. And, and, uh, he and Andy, uh, switched off on, on the TV side of things while one of them did the radio for nine innings. The other one was on TV. Um, you know, I've worked well with, uh, with Steve as well. And, and that's all you want is to see these guys fulfill their dreams and get their own number one job somewhere. And, uh, you know, I my goal is to to try and get them there. So so that's 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 next on my list is to to get uh, to get those guys their their own gigs somewhere. Now, for those that haven't heard, we do have uh, good news on a independent league alumnus that did get a promotion. As Chris Atterbury got mm-hmm. the Twins radio job, as Corey Provis was elevated to the TV role and. For those who remember, Atterbury was a former voice of the Sioux Falls Canaries and St. Paul Saints. So, Sean, any chance we could be hearing you as a fill-in at some point? <laughs> uh, I think only the twins know the answer to that. Um, 
First, let me let me say I, I reached out to both those guys the the day that that was announced. Um, just con- congratulating both guys, and I heard back from both guys. They're, they're both stand up uh, people. Um, you know, Corey. Uh, I think what he's done on radio for uh, what is it the last twelve years now, whatever it is, uh, ha- has been absolutely incredible. He he. Uh, you know, when when Dick stepped away, I I had a conversation with uh, the director of broadcasting for the Twins, not not because I was going for the job, but just, you know, I was curious what was going on with them and their TV deal, and, and Andrew Halverson is their director of broadcasting, and he and I, you know, talked plenty um, during the season, off-season, whatever. Um, and I, I told him, and I said, look, my opinion, opinion means nothing, but I'm going to give it anyways because that's who I am. I said, it just makes sense for you guys to move Provis from radio to TV, uh, Corey does television on the Big Ten Network for football and basketball, so it's not like TV is uh, something brand new to him. Um, and I said, I think Atterbury has earned the right to, you know, be your number one guy. Uh, he's put in his time, and, and if not now, when? I mean, again, and so I was extremely happy to see both guys get those roles. Uh, look, as far as a fill-in, um, look, if if the twins think that I am someone that can fulfill that role, um, if they feel that I'm, I'm someone that is good enough to be in that position, uh, obviously I would be ecstatic. But uh, look, I, I don't know what, they're, you know what they're going to do. I don't know what their thought process is. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if, uh, you know, Chris will work all 162. Uh, I don't know if, if they require their broadcasters to take days off. I don't know how that goes. But, um, you know, again, I, the Twins have to want someone to fill in that they feel can handle that role for whatever it is, one game, five games, 10 games, 15 games, whatever it is. Uh, you know, I think for someone like myself, all you want – is a seat at the table. You, you want to be considered for that position. And if they think I'm good enough, great. If they don't, it's a subjective business, and, and that's, that's fine. That is their prerogative, um, you know, to, to ask somebody else to fill that role. Uh, and it could be that, you know, if Chris takes 10 games off this year, that, uh, you know, there are a few different people that get to do, you know, that spot. Maybe they ask me, maybe they ask, um, you know, other guys within the, uh, the, the affiliates, uh, you know, maybe they ask someone not with the affiliates. Maybe they ask, a, you know, someone locally uh, to, to, to do the games. I don't know what they're going to do, um, but I think I just want a seat at that table to be considered, and that's really all I can ask. Is the ability to keep up with Dan Gladden's nightlife going to be one of the requirements? <laughs> uh, I would hope not, because I have no nightlife. Uh, uh, I am not someone that uh, burns the midnight oil. But And that's the other part, too. I mean, look, I think people that tuned into the Twins on radio heard the incredible camaraderie between uh, Corey and Dan, and that is not easy to achieve. And I think, you know, while Chris has done some, some fill-in work over the last, 
you know, 17 years, um, it, it still takes time to build that rapport, and that's always the toughest thing. It's going to be the same thing with Corey on television, uh, you know, with the rotation of uh, analysts that they bring in with, uh, you know, Hawkins and uh, Morneau and, and Perkins and Plouffe and whoever else they, they want on there. Um, but it takes time to, to develop that, and the listener can tell whether you have a good relationship with the person you're, you know, you're broadcasting with or you don't, and, and that's hard. And, and so it, it, it takes both broadcasters to get to that point. You know, it takes, it, it takes the play-by-play guy and it takes the analyst to, to find that ground because everybody wants um, the broadcast to be good, right? It's, it's not one person's show. Uh, it, is, it is the collective whole. I won't say with Gladden. You can listen to Gladden for about two minutes and you know exactly how the game's going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he well, wears I, a card I mean, on his sleeve. Yeah, look, I mean, that's his organization, right? I mean, he won a World Series with, with the Twins. He's been you know, a broadcaster for them for, what, over two decades now? Um, you know, he, I, I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. I don't, I don't think you can have – I'm not a fan of the, the, the main broadcaster. I know that, that Dan does play-by-play, obviously, but I'm not a fan of the main broadcaster being the rah-rah, you know, uh, cheerleader guy. And, again, that's not to say that uh, guys – haven't done it and haven't done it well. I'm just not a fan of that. Again, we talked about it. This is a subjective business. I also grew up in Los Angeles where I think the broadcasters I listened to, um, you know, told you like it was, and they weren't cheerleaders. Now, if you grew up in Chicago, um, no matter what side you grew up on, the broadcasters you grew up listening to were cheerleaders for the, for the team, but it works well in that market. Um, I'm just not that guy. I've never been that guy. But I think it's okay for your number two slash analyst to be that person. Um, I'm just not a a fan of the number one person being that way. Sean, I believe it was 2016 that I had the pleasure of being there when you broadcast your 1,000th game. Was that 2016? Was that right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. we got to be closing in on 2,000. At this point, aren't we? Yeah, it, it's funny that you, you say that. I was uh, uh, Sierra Bailey, our, our uh, uh, promotions director, and she's got many more titles than that. But uh, she, she's our promotions director, and um, Joshua Will, who's our director of entertainment. They they do a, a Saints podcast, uh, which they've been doing now for uh, eighty eight episodes, and they asked me to be on it uh, uh, today, as a matter of fact, and and I brought that up that. Uh, 2025, very early in the season, uh, will be my 2000th broadcast with, with the Saints. So, um, so not that far off. Obviously, when you play a, uh, 150 games versus 100 games, you, you start to get to those bigger numbers quicker um, now that we're playing uh, more games in, in AAA than we did in the American Association. So, um, so yeah, uh, I, I believe if I did my math cor- correct, it's going to be sometime early in 2025. That's a pretty impressive number. You got to be pretty excited about making that mark. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I, there's a part of me that hopes I do. There's a part of me that hopes I don't because, you know, you <laughs> sure. wind up in a major, major, major league organization. But, uh, but look, this, this organization has is, is treated me exceptionally well. And, um, you know, they, they have given me total autonomy of the, of the broadcast. And, um, you know, it, it, it's always appreciative to work for a, a general manager that believes in the broadcast because that's not always the case across uh, minor league baseball slash independent baseball. Um, you don't always get GMs that see the value in the broadcast. And, and Derek Scherer, for 17 seasons now, now going on my 18th, has always seen the value in the broadcast and has, has put in considerable resources into it. And, and for that, I'm, a, I, I'm extremely appreciative of um, because it makes my job so much easier. Well, I don't want to tie up too much more of your time tonight, but let's talk a little American Association baseball, baseball with us sure. here, Sean. And um, this last season, Kansas City wins another championship. You had the pleasure of being there with Joe when I believe his very first season as a manager. And so your, your just thoughts on the job he did this season on getting that Kansas City Monarchs team back to the championship. Yeah, look, I, I've always told you that uh, George is my all-time favorite person to ever work with. Um, and I, I look, I've had some incredible managers, including, you know, the current one in, in Toby, who's been uh, absolutely wonderful to work with. But, you know, I was with George forever. But my first year as a broadcaster in, uh, in Allentown, Pennsylvania, um, you know, Joe was, was the manager. And what he did with that team is unprecedented because that was a garbage organization in a garbage ballpark and uh and, and he got us to the playoffs which to this day i still don't know how that's possible but uh look i, I have the utmost respect for for joe um and how he continues to churn out uh quality teams year after year that are in the hunt um you know and or wins championships uh, it, it still astounds me. I mean, the pipeline that that guy has, um, you know, is, is incredible. So, uh, you know, I'm always happy when, when people I know, um, you know, reach the pinnacle or, or win titles, um, you know, especially if they're good people. And Joe Calfapietri is, is one of the best people uh, in the business. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny because he and George are, are very good friends. Um, you know, they've been managing against each other for, for years. So it's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm happy for, if it's not going to be George, um, I'm happy that it's, that it's Joe. It looks like Mike Beck getting involved in the Frontier League. Could you see George making a move out of the American Association headed in that direction? Uh, that's a great question. I, I don't have any inside information on, on that one, to be very honest with you. Um, uh, so I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I know, uh, I know Mike is, is very fond of George. I don't know what George's contract is. I don't know how that all is going uh, to break out. But, uh, um, I mean, I, I think Mike probably will put a bug in George's ear. 
you know, whether that happens, I, I really don't know. I'm genuinely saying I have no inside knowledge uh, on that whatsoever. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, if you're looking to, to, to bring a manager over, um, you know, he's going to be the guy. The question is, you know, would, uh, you know, would, would George want to leave a league that he's been very familiar with? And, um, you know, I, I assume the rules are still a little bit different uh, between the leagues, um, you know, and, and I know that they've made the rules better in the American Association in terms of the vet rule versus the rookie rule and all that. Uh, compared to when we were in the league, um, I, I don't know. I'm not as familiar with the the Frontier League's, uh, you know, rules on on on, you know, players. But if it's a younger league, does does George really want to, you know, go and do that? So, so I don't know. Obviously, you know, that's up to to Mike to offer and, and George to decide if if he wants to do it. But um, look, you. you you, you can't do much better than, than, than George as a manager if, if you're uh, taking over a, a, an organization, if you're buying a team. Well, I got some insight to intel over the weekend that former Saints pitcher Elaine Quijano is going yeah. to be managing Joliet next year. It hasn't been announced to the media yet, but he was introduced to fans at an event last Saturday afternoon. Interesting. Well, there you go. Then I guess uh, Kevin's got the uh, the breaking news right here on uh, on, on the show. So uh, yeah, I mean, hey, good for him. He, I mean, he was uh, he's a pitching coach for for a number of years, and um, yeah, I mean, really good for him. So uh, you know, I don't know if he's managed before or if this is his first opportunity, but uh, you know, always always. Great to see guys that uh, played for the Saints getting the opportunity. Well, That's speaking of Mike back in the Saints, I have to ask this: uh, What were your what were your thoughts on the Netflix show Saint of Second Chances? Uh, amazing. Um, I had the opportunity. To be honest, I haven't even watched it on Netflix yet. Uh, I, I got an opportunity uh, along with uh, about, I don't know hundred fifty other people to it in uh, a movie theater before it even came out on Netflix um, and you know it's interesting because I've, I've lived a lot of the story um, and I know the stories uh, those that I did not live and yet it still took me for an emotional ride and uh it was incredibly well done. You know, I, I love, I love Mike, um, and I, I look. I, I've got an amazing relationship with Mike, and I, I joke with Mike all the time. You know, about if every, um, if every show was going to be made that he said was going to be made, or that camera crews came in, there would have been you know forty shows on on Mike or the Saints by now, but. Uh, so when Mike came to me uh, a while ago and said, oh, yeah, you know, crew's going to be following me around or whatever, I never thought it was going to come to fruition because I've seen this happen before. Um, and it just happened to be the right people to do it, um, the right idea to do. And it, I, I, again, I, I realized that, you know, the people that I see on Twitter and, uh, you know, the, the, the circles that I uh, that that I write in, 
Um, you know, not many, if any, are going to have a bad thing to say about it, but I haven't seen one negative comment uh, about it. Um, and it, to be very honest, I, again, I don't know if it will, but you wonder if it's got an opportunity to win any sort of awards uh, for, for a documentary. Um, I think it's that well done, you know, uh, that, that it, it has an opportunity to be at least nominated for whatever awards are out there. Uh, but it, it, I'll tell you what, it, for people that have not seen it, um, it, it is more a story about family uh, and redemption than it is about baseball. Baseball is, you know, I guess the overriding uh, backdrop, but, um, you know, it's a story about a guy that's trying to live up to the family name um, while at the same time, you know, uh, having his family, you know, uh, understand what that, that drive and determination is all about, and they all kind of come together under the guise of the world of baseball. Um, it's, it, it will, the last 20 to 30 minutes will just tear you apart. It's, it's an extremely emotional uh, documentary as well. Sean, I have to ask you, um, because I, I thought the best part of the, the movie was the cameo appearance by Kevin Luco, and I'm hoping you'll join with me on getting him a nominated for an award somehow or another out of that. I, I mean, you know, they they have uh, awards for, uh, you know, best guest appearance or celebrity guest appearance. and I'd Exactly. Be, I, I'd be shocked if uh, there was not a nomination uh, coming Kevin's way. I, I don't know if it'll be an Academy or an MTV award, but, uh, you know, somewhere, somehow, I, I think that uh, uh, his name is, is you know, he's going to get a phone call at, at like, you know, four in the morning, uh, letting him know that he has been uh, nominated for uh, Best Celebrity Guest Appearance. I felt the uh, crew did an excellent job of getting my good side, which did not include <laughs> my face. So I'll there give you guys you a I'll give you guys a story on that. I'm watching the movie at home, and I'm thinking with all the Midway Stadium footage that there would have been a tailgating or a mm. crowd shot in which I would have been in. And then when I got past the Midway Stadium, it, it was, oh, okay, I'm probably not going to see myself in this at all. And then when I did, uh, right away, my wife can attest to the like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's like, what? I was in the movie. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a pleasant surprise. I mean, uh, well, from what I've heard, from what I've heard, Kevin cannot walk outside of his house without being hounded these days, whether it be fans or paparazzi. So, uh, I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> Sometimes a star is born overnight, and and that's that's the case with uh, with Kevin. Well, I feel that's like any belt really. player walking into an arena where you know there's always a camera following them as they're walking. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, but you know you, you just get used to it. Yeah, there you go. That's why he's top billing on the show, Sean. Just so you know, <laughs> it's, uh, you know. <laughs> alphabetical just, order. I mean, uh, no, just being honest about it. It's always been Kevin Luco in big letters and me in, you know, size three fonts or something because he really is a star of the show. For sure. No doubt about that. 
Well, Sean, man, awesome having you on. And, you know, you are a super veteran here, so I know you got a great final thought for us here tonight. <laughs> the great final thought? Well, I, I don't know about a great final thought, but uh, we're, what, uh, three weeks now or so from uh, from Christmas time and, and for, for people like myself uh, that, that celebrate Hanukkah that, that starts uh, Thursday night. Uh, it's the holiday season, um, you know, it, this is, if there's ever any time to call the ones you love, to hug the ones you love, to let the people know in your life uh, how much they mean to you, and, uh, you know, to uh, reach out to those that, that might be uh, less fortunate than, than you are. Uh, there's never a better time of year to do it than now, and, um, you know, I, I hope people remember that, and uh, you know, and you, you give back to, to somebody else this year or to an organization. It doesn't have to be money. It could be your time. It could uh, just be a gesture. Um, you know, I think th this time of the year, friends, family, uh, they're, they're the most important thing. So that, uh, that will be my, my final thought uh, for, for you gentlemen. And, um, and as always, I, I greatly appreciate uh, you reaching out and, and giving me a platform on, on what continues to be uh, an incredible podcast. You guys continue to do a, an incredible job and what you're able to get out of your guests, uh, you know, with with this platform is, is second to none. You guys have done a tremendous job. Well, Sean, thanks for joining Kevin and I. Once again, you're, you're always our favorite guest to have. Yeah, thanks for doing uh, this. Thank you, guys. Of course. Anytime. Thank you, guys. Well, Kevin, he may not be in the league anymore, but we always love having Sean Harrison on the show. Yeah, he's such a well-spoken baseball guy. You know, a lot of times when we have him on, I, I, at times I forget that I'm one of the hosts of the show. I find myself just listening to him just like any other listener tuning into the podcast would. Yeah, absolutely. Always enjoyable. And, man. Great season for the St. Paul Saints organization, but, man, that, that crazy playoff idea that they came up with this year came back to haunt them, and that's kind of sad, sad for the Saints and the organization as a whole. Yeah, I remember as it was unfolding, it was a pretty odd scenario. Yeah, I wonder what started that idea, that you're going to have it so that, you know, all the West teams are battling for no, really no reason whatsoever. If you get down to it, I think they just wanted where it was going to be like a really quick playoff. They didn't want to get into multiple rounds, so they probably figured that was way to to do it and get it done quick. But when you look at it, with the way AAA baseball is aligned, you have your International League East, International League West. Well, that's that's like 18, 20 teams, dang near. And then you got yeah. the B-scale, which is like 9, 10, whatever. So it is kind of a – it'll be a lot tougher to emerge from the International League to play for that championship game than it is for the PCL. Yeah, you're not kidding. Well, Kevin, let's jump around here a little bit and talk about stuff going on around the American Association. And teams have been pretty busy over the last week since the Thanksgiving holiday is over and nobody's been more busier, more busier. Yeah, that's right. More busier than Pete Incavilia down there in Cleburne. As catcher Austin Bernard is signed, they re-sign infielder Ryan Hernandez, who got off to an impressive start for them, Kevin. 
before having signed by the Angels organization. And you got to figure that he's going to be a huge bat in that lineup again this year. I was happy to see that Pete Incavita is bringing back pieces from last year's team. The thing I was afraid of when he took over was he was just going to feel the need to just completely turn the club over when you really didn't need to because he had a good ball club there. So I'm happy to see that pieces from last year's ball club are starting to get signed. He signs outfielder Ron Washington Jr., which I'm assuming is uh, Texas former Texas Rangers manager Ron Washington's son. Uh, do we have any news on that, or am I potentially wrong with that? Well, you know, I know Ron Washington is a pretty common name, but, I mean, who would the people just kind of seem to add together that um, it would be the former shortstop of the Minnesota Twins, Ron Washington's son. Or as Kevin Millar, I remember he nicknamed Ron Washington when he managed Texas Homie the Clown because of his bushy hair that would um, sprout off from both sides of his hat. The team re-signs right-handed pitcher Jonathan Tripp, who was acquired from the Chicago Dogs late in the season, and adds infielder Peyton Robertson. So, Peter and Cabellia very busy down there in Cleburne getting the team ready. Uh, the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks, Kevin, re-signed outfielder Evan Alexander, who's, you know, a name that I, I think we recognize here on the show is, is a guy who could be an MVP candidate within this league every year because he puts up impressive numbers, but seems to be a guy who flies under the radar because there's so many veteran guys around the Redhawks that everybody just knows and seems to talk about all the time. You know, it was... Alexander was one of those guys I was touting for a while early in the season as a potential MVP candidate just for what he meant to that ball club in Fargo. So, you know, good move by Chris Coles bringing him back for a third season. They also acquire infielder Dakota Phillips from Evansville, and the club signs him to a contract. Sioux City signs right-handed pitcher Kyle Bluer, I guess is the way this is said. It could be. Blower. Yeah, I think Blower. I'm going to go like Slower. I'm going to go with it. And re-signs catcher Jake Ortega. Uh, Lincoln brings back catcher Marshall Autry and right-handed pitcher Wyatt Sparks. Dason Cruz re-signs with Winnipeg. That seems like a no-brainer for manager Logan Watkins to bring back Cruz. No, it doesn't. I mean, you know, that's a good piece to add. You know, getting back to Jake Ortega and Sioux City, folks, if you haven't Check out the Sioux City Explorers Facebook page and check out the episode of Explorers Espresso where Dan Vaughn had manager Steve Montgomery on because I thought it was a very informative um, stuff from Montgomery just on how to go out and find these guys that are going to fill your rookie pitcher spots on the team. I thought it was a pretty interesting listen, so I highly recommend Go out, go out on the internet and find that. Absolutely, uh, you know, Steve. The great thing about him is he will speak candidly. Some sometimes will give you some unbelievable nuggets of information if you want to learn how the American Association works or building a ball club works or whatever. And that 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 is a, a must listen. I, I, I totally in with Kevin on that. Yeah, he doesn't waste all of his good stuff on our show. <laughs> no, he doesn't. 
And finally, Lake Country re-signs right-handed pitcher Matt Mullenbach, who became a, a key part of that bullpen last season. So looking to upgrade that a little bit as they struggled, but he, he was quite a stud for them. Uh, Kevin, let's talk a little bit around other independent leagues out there. The uh, New England the new New England club that will be in the Frontier League names Jared Edmondson, excuse me, Jared Edmondson as their manager for the upcoming season. And in a award that I don't really understand very much, Windy City Thunderbolts named as, as the National Economic Award winner. Um, looking over the press release about this, I, 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 I guess that's a big deal. So, okay, how about that? Whatever that's supposed to do for you. Um, congrats to them. Congratulations to them. <laughs> congratulations. That's, the, that's all I got for them. Out on the uh, front, uh, excuse me, in the Atlantic League website, an interesting story about Mark Mason who will be taking over Hagerstown uh, this season. And, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a background for him if you're looking to find out more about uh, Mark and what he's about. A pretty good story. I, I, I had to tell you, I, I like the way it was is written and explained quite a bit about him. And, uh, a guy with a long history of success within independent baseball managing, Parkland League baseball managing. I, I got to keep getting used to saying that. Um, so uh, I, I, it's a good read for sure. I think that wraps us up. No other major news that I believe I saw that I didn't. Well, see, I, I did stumble upon something where there's going to be a new ball club in the Pioneer League. The the oh, right Oakland. On. Yeah, the Oakland Ballers, and they're going to be called the Bees for short, so they're going to fill the void in Oakland professional baseball once the athletics depart for Las Vegas. So they'll play, instead of being the A's, they're going to be the Bees. Well, all right. All right. Uh, no new news out of the American Association in terms of new partnerships or sponsors to the league. I'm sure that we'll be hearing more about those after the new year at that point. So I believe that sends us the shout-outs, Kevin. So who are we shouting out to this week? Well, I gave us uh, a little bit of thought, and my shout-out this week is going to be, I'll preface it with a story. Last Saturday, I took a trip up to Duluth, Minnesota, on the shores of the Lake Superior, and... Former home of the Duluth Superior Dukes of the Northern League. Well, anyways, they after uh, going to a hockey game, I decided to walk through Bentleyville, which is a it's just an incredible Christmas light show. And I just thought of all the people that put these shows on, from the people that get the lights together, string them all together, to the the people that are working at working as volunteers at these events. You know, and there's light shows all over the place. We've seen several of the ballparks in the American Association have them this year. Matter of fact, CHS Field in St. Paul has a show going on currently. So my shout-out is to all the people that make these things go to put people in the Christmas spirit and just all the volunteers that sometimes work in less than ideal conditions, but make everything go smoothly during the holiday season. Absolutely. Uh, Kevin, my shout-out goes to um, those incredibly brilliant people back in the 
1960s and early 70s who made uh, great Christmas specials like A Year Without a Santa Claus and The Grinch Who Stole Christmas and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Reindeer um, and things like that. Uh, great Christmas specials at this time of the year, great things to enjoy, and people of all ages can sit back and, and like them a lot, and you feel like you can watch them with your kids or your grandkids, doesn't matter. Great things to enjoy at this time of the year, and uh, just shows that while uh, it seems that some of the more recent generations are looking down on the generation that would be before you and I, um, those guys really knew how to create creative stuff. So shout out to those, I guess, I, are, is that the baby boomer still group there? I, I think that is. So I'm going to give That's a shout cool. out to them for great Christmas specials. What, do you have a favorite Christmas special, Kevin? Uh, I was always, um, you know, anything Charlie Brown was, was always one of my favorites. There you go. See, nothing like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Always still a classic. Well, Kevin and I want to thank uh, Sean Aronson from the St. Paul Saints for joining us this week. We'll continue on next week uh, looking at something. We don't know what we're talking about right yet, but <laughs> I believe we're going to have Lake DeBerry next week from the Lake Country Dockhounds. So we're working on that finalized for next week. So for Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Panier. We will see you next time on This Week in the Association.